Uh, first off, I want to thank everyone for allowing me the chance to be away last weekend. Uh, as many of you may have heard, my family and I were able to go down to Annapolis, Maryland, uh, to visit my son Michael, who uh, is finishing up basically their version of uh, basic training for officers uh, down uh, there at Annapolis, Maryland. He just started at the Naval Academy, and we had a really great visit, and uh, he's doing very well. So again, thank you for giving me that chance to take the weekend off. Um, as you may have noticed in our bulletin, following our second service today, we're going to have a food truck uh, parked right out front uh, with pizza. It says waffles and pizza, so I'm not sure what to expect with that. I think it's pizza. Yes? Oh, so no waffles or pizza. So I have to make lunch for my kids today. Great. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly it is. All right, so rescheduled. Thank you, Megan. The Old Testament reading for this, the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, is from the 66th chapter of Isaiah. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues. And they shall come and shall see my glory, and I will set a sign among them. And from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pool and Lud, who draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far off, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the nations, and they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord, on horses and in chariots and in litters, and on mules and on dromedaries, to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord, and some of them also I will take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from the 12th chapter of Hebrews. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness 
to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, you all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south And recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first. And some are first who will be last. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. A man asked Jesus a question that some of us may have wondered before ourselves. He asked, Lord, 
are only a few people going to be saved. When Jesus returns for his second coming, who is going to be saved? We may wonder about this. Some children may worry about their parents. Parents may worry about their children. You may worry about your co-workers or your neighbors. And even some of us here, we may actually worry about ourselves. When Jesus returns, who will be saved? I think the man who asked this question in our gospel reading may have been worried about himself. He may have been wondering if he's done enough to be saved, or he may have been wondering if he's done too much not to be saved. A man was wondering. And Jesus did answer this man's question. Jesus said, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able And then Jesus said, one day that narrow door will be shut. It will not be opened again. The door will be shut on the day Jesus returns. Jesus describes a narrow door. And Jesus said, there's only one way to salvation. It is through that narrow door. Or as the Bible also describes it, a small door. It's almost like Jesus is describing one of those small doors on a toddler's playhouse. You've seen those playhouses, haven't you? They're made of plastic. The roof is only about four feet off the ground. These playhouses have these little windows, a little chair inside. And of course, they have a very little door. The door to salvation Jesus is describing is very much like the door to a child's playhouse. I know it may sound odd to say that is what Jesus is talking about, but it actually is. Jesus is literally talking about a tiny door to enter. So does that mean we need to find some kind of potion to drink that will shrink us into tiny people so that we can fit through? Of course not. But we do have to shrink to enter that door. And a lot of people in this world don't like to shrink themselves. And because of that, they don't want to go through that narrow door. A lot of people in this world don't want to become less in this life. They want to be great. So they don't want to enter that narrow door. But we're not always very good at becoming less and allowing God to become more, are we? It's so important that we do consider becoming less. And there's a good reason. Jesus Christ said the door to everlasting life is a narrow door, a small door. Actually, it's very small. Think about it. When Jesus Christ was crucified for us, small nails punctured straight through 
Jesus' wrists and feet. Those nails opened a tiny door for us through Jesus' own flesh. The holes in Jesus' wrists are very small. Those wounds are too small for us to physically crawl through. But still, we do enter those wounds, those narrow doors to have everlasting life. We enter them when we believe Jesus really did die for us and that nothing else matters. But our sinful nature does not want us to enter that door. Our sinful natures will do anything in their power to keep us out of that door. Your sinful nature does not want you looking at the wounds of Christ every day. And it will try anything to keep you out of that doorway. And it will try nonstop. Nowadays, our sinful nature tries to keep our eyes focused on the here and now of this life any way that it can. Our sinful nature does not want you looking at that open, narrow door that Christ has propped open with his own sacrifice. So it turns your eyes onto this life, onto anything in this life. So maybe it tantalizes your eyes with the pleasures of this world and wants you to pursue them, anything to keep you away from Christ. Our sinful hearts will get you so preoccupied with the politics of this world that you may not even give a passing thought during the day of the world to come. Just ask yourself this question, which do you check more often during the day? Your news feed on your phone or a Bible passage? I wonder which one wins. And then our sinful nature will even play a dirtier trick on us. Even though that door to everlasting life is propped wide open right now by Jesus and his sacrifice for you. Even though Jesus is doing all of that right now, our sinful natures will have us sometimes think we can't enter that door. Our guilty conscience will tell us we don't deserve it, that we've done too much, or that we haven't cleaned ourselves up enough to deserve going through that door. Our sinful conscience will whisper the worst things into our ears, anything. To keep us from entering that narrow door that Jesus has propped open for you. And that's how Jesus describes it. A narrow door. Small door. It really does sound like one of those doors on a toddler's playhouse. And in those doors, a child can walk in and out without thinking twice about it, right? But a full-grown adult isn't exactly just going to walk upright through that door, are they? Now, an adult could enter through that narrow door, and they could do it very easily. But to enter, an adult would have to throw all their pride to the wind. They'd have to get down on their hands and knees. And then they could crawl through that 
narrow, small door very easily. When some congregations confess their sins during worship, they actually have kneelers that fold down from the pew in front of them. And people will lower the kneelers, kneel down, and confess their sins before God. Just like we do. Just like we did in worship when we started. And when we confess our sins, we are all like adults crawling through a toddler's playhouse door. Admitting before God we're helpless to save ourselves. And that we're literally on our knees begging God for help. We all are like this, whether we have kneelers on our pews or not. Even up here at communion, if you're able to, you can physically kneel at the altar before God. And through that simple act of kneeling, you admit that you desperately need God. When we kneel before God, we are admitting that we can't enter that narrow door by our own strength. When we kneel, we admit we can't enter that small door by our own wit or our abilities or our own powers. To enter eternal life through that narrow door requires us to get on our hands and knees just like we're all entering child's playhouse. But there's nothing childish about that. Because there will be a day when Jesus will close his narrow door. And that small door won't open again, ever. Thankfully, though, that day is not now. For now, that small door, that narrow door is wide open. The narrow door of salvation is open through Jesus Christ. And all of us can enter. All of us. Every day can think upon those wounds of Jesus. We can see those wounds that were opened up by Jesus all for us. So when our sinful nature turns our eyes to the things of this world, enter those wounds of Jesus in faith. And see that the things of this world have been put to death all for Christ. When a guilty conscience bothers you, Enter through Christ's wounds and remember, your conscience is clean because of those wounds. Because of what Jesus has done for you, he makes you clean. And when death comes, when it surrounds us, when we know our last hours are here and we are scared of what will happen, scared of what comes after, when that happens, Jesus is calling to you. He's especially calling to you that. And Jesus is saying to you, come, enter through this narrow door I'm holding open for you. Come and enter eternal life with me and all the saints through this door I'm holding open just for you. Jesus is holding that door open right now through his wounds. He's holding that door open for you. For your family, for your friends. He's holding it open for everyone in this world. But a day will come when that will not be the case. 
A day will come when that narrow door will be shut. For now, though, it's open. And through that door, Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to have a new life in him through that door of his own flesh. Jesus invites all of you every day of your lives to enter through his sacrifice for you. And to believe that he really has taken away all of your sins. And because of that, eternal life is all yours. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.